Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Broadcasting today from Kansas City, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We have a busy show here. It's been a busy morning in in many ways here in Kansas City this morning. A lot going on. We have leaders of agriculture from around the country and agribusiness from around the country here gathered for our Farm Broadcasting Convention. A little bit later on, we'll talk with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross. We're also going to talk with USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Ted McKinney. We want to talk about all the trade uh deals that are being worked on and find out some that maybe we haven't heard much about that are going on as well. So we'll be talking trade a little bit later on with Undersecretary McKinney. But speaking of USDA undersecretaries, we're very happy to have with us, and not often anymore do we get to do this face-to-face. It's usually by phone. We have Bill Northey, who is USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. Good to see you. Good to see you, Mike. It's Yeah, it's great to be able to actually see you. <laughs> we, we do talk by phone. It's uh, great. It's certainly Good to be with you. Well, Good your schedule is extremely busy. In fact, you and I were talking before going on the air. I was asking if you were able to get back to Iowa to help with the uh, the, the harvest, and you've not been able to. I have not. Uh, actually, I haven't been. I don't think I've been in the state of Iowa since harvest began. For some of the folks, um, I I get I make phone calls and find out what's going on. But uh, boy, it's been a tough harvest all across the country. Certainly, in our part of Iowa, there's a lot of corn yet to come out. Um, it seems like a good crop. Um, at, a lot of the beans have come out. Uh, we had little windows over the last several weeks, and most of the beans, I think, are out in, soybeans are out in, in Iowa. But I was in North Dakota on Friday and, and, uh, and Saturday last week, and a lot of soybeans coming out now with a lot of corn still in the field. And you're hearing about uh, a problem that many are dealing with, and that's the, the propane issue. We are, um, and and it seems very spotty. I've been trying to uh, figure out if there's something that we can do. Certainly the most important thing is to understand and figure out and listen to folks. And our part of northwest Iowa has, uh, is one of those areas that has been really tough to get propane, and folks have been out sometimes for days, uh, had to shut down combines. Uh, other parts I've talked to, and they've been only out a few hours from time to time, and that really slowed them down. And then other parts... North Dakota, they said, we don't know yet because we haven't gotten enough corn out to dry uh, to really know whether it's going to be a problem. Hopefully everybody else will be done by the time we're doing it. We'll be able to get the full supply of propane at that time. Well, I know a lot of uh, emergency plans are being made and efforts are being made to, to move uh, propane to where it's needed. So hopefully they can get that uh, get that worked out. All right, let's, uh, let's switch to market facilitation program payments. Secretary Purdue announced a while back that uh, that second tranche will be coming out either later this month or or early next month. What can you tell us? Uh, we're getting very close to being able to talk about that timing. Very glad to be able to have those uh, payments uh, so the producers know those payments are coming. Total payments we've made so far are just short of $7 billion. So the second round is 25% versus the first round of 50%. So it'll be over $3 billion. Um, and, uh, and it our target has always been November, and we're running out of November here, so it, it, we should have an announcement pretty soon um, and uh, let folks know when that when those dollars are coming. Will it work the same way as the last uh, last round did? Uh, it will, and in fact, in, yes, uh, it'll actually just show up in people's accounts. They don't need to come in and do anything more. They're already signed up for that program, those that have. Those that have not signed up, uh, their sign-up ends December 6th. So we want to encourage folks to come in by December 6th to sign up. Uh, That next round um, will show up in the accounts because we already have folks signed up. We have their acres. Uh, We know what that next 25% is, and that will show up in their accounts. All right, so there are some Democratic members of Congress 
uh, that have, have been very critical of how the last round of payments went, saying they were too much in favor of those in the South. Uh, how do you respond to that, and will any changes be made this time? Um, these payments will be made under the same formulas that we had. It makes sense to be able to do that. It doesn't make sense at all to change anything in the mid, in the midstream. And it really what we looked at, um, and our chief economist looked at, it crunched the numbers um, many different ways to come up with what the total impact was to each of the crops and then how each of those counties are impacted by the crops that are being impacted by those trade tariffs. Uh, certainly we had some commodities, uh, cotton in the south that is significantly impacted because they're not able to ship cotton uh, to China. Soybeans obviously is more impacted than wheat is impacted. Um, uh, and so it is different uh, for each commodity and therefore how much commodity um, is in each county will create a different payment rate. Of course, um, they didn't really say in the report, but the biggest dollar amounts are going to the Midwest. The number one state is Illinois, the number two state is Iowa. I think there's several other states that, that are actually pay more than the top five states in the South that they referred to. Um, so the total number of farms, the total amount of, of producers, and the total amount of dollars uh, will be a lot higher in the Midwest than it will be in the South. Well, any more commodities be added this time, uh, you, you know, specialty crops or whatever it may be? Uh, not for this round. So we are in the second MFP. We have those rules set up. Um, we're not, it would delay us tremendously to do that. Uh, we're not interested in delaying payments to producers that certainly need payments out there. Um, we don't have plan on a, a, a MFP3. Um, we surely hope that we're able to make a, a, a third round of payments in this, uh, although we hope even more that we have a trade deal that gets us back to a place where we don't need that. Um, but certainly we would look at something if we ended up needing to have another round of payments. But this round is set. Okay. Uh, we're just talking about making the second, the second installment of a program that's already established. Before we let you go, uh, an extension uh, of the on the crop insurance premiums. Tell us about that. So crop insurance premiums are due by October 1st each year for producers. Uh, we extended that payment uh, until December 1st of that due date. Um, now recognizing we have many parts of the country where harvest is really slow um, and we've not been able to settle claims as well. Sometimes we use those claims to offset payments as well as producers haven't sold a crop to be able to get cash flow. We're going to extend that another 60 days so it'll be January 31st before those payments are due uh, and the interest will start. And real quick, anything new that you can tell us on CRP? Sign up coming up. Sign up's coming up. We still need to get our rules back. We've not set still a date, don't have those. but we've said we don't have that yet. Um, but we are still saying early December for that sign up, and probably several months, and likely with the acres that are that are coming out in 2020 and the raising of the ceiling, uh, the biggest, uh, at least available acres that we've had in five in 10 years. So you're expecting a lot of interest, right? We we are. We know we have a lot of folks whose contracts are expiring, yeah. so they probably are interested right out of the box, as well as we have a lot of folks who haven't had a chance for a general sign-up for a while. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Mike. Be in touch. Thank we'll you. probably talk CRP next time we That's, get together. That okay? sounds great. All right. Thanks. USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Bill Northey. Up next, we'll talk with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, another Iowa guy. He's coming up. I wonder if he's been back for harvest. We'll find out. Kevin Ross joins us next on AOA. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credence soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. 
You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that, but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit fsgoldstandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. Will hemp producers be eligible for USDA programs, including insurance? Hemp producers are eligible for crop insurance. It would only be eligible, at least right now, for the 2020 growing year under the Whole Farm Revenue Protection Plan. You know, you can grow multiple crops under that. There is no individual crop uh, insurance product for hemp yet. That's one that hopefully RMA, uh, working with private stakeholders, will be able to develop a tool over time. But i got to say, with the risk with this crop, if you produce a crop that becomes a hot crop over that 0.3% THC level, it is not an insurable covered loss under crop insurance. Even if weather is the reason, even if you do all your management practices correctly, if it becomes a hot crop, you do not get coverage under crop insurance, and it's in DEA's ballpark at that point. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We're in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Happy to be joined now by the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross. All right, Kevin. How is harvest going back home in Iowa? Well, it's uh, it's been a slog this this fall for a lot of people, especially in the upper Midwest, with the uh, wet corn and um, the LP issues that uh, that have plagued uh, the northern corn belt. But uh, um, we got uh, should get done next week, uh, I think, sometime around home. Yields been good for uh, corn and a lot of the beans in the area, but uh, um, again, a little bit behind schedule. Have you had trouble getting propane in your area? Uh, in southwest Iowa, not not quite as much trouble there, but we don't have a lot of the drying capacity uh, in in general. You know, you get kind of south of I eighty and and uh, it really south of Highway thirty. It seems like uh, there's you know a little less drier, a lot of more air drying done in the field there than than uh, than done through the the, the big dryer systems. But uh, um, you know, certainly I've talked to a lot of people in uh, southern Minnesota, northeast Iowa, north central Iowa, and and uh, in the Dakotas that uh, have run into you know significant issues. People that were shut down for for significant amounts of time dealing with that that problem. All right, let's talk uh, some of the issues, and of course, uh, got a, got some big ones. We'll start with uh, USMCA push still on to try to get that done. Try to get it up for a vote this year. 
Yeah, we really need uh, we really need Speaker Pelosi to bring this up in, in the House and get this thing moving. Um, uh, we want to see this done as soon as possible. We wanted to see it done months ago. Uh, obviously, they had some details to get worked out, and we understand uh, uh, that ag isn't the only part of, of this deal. But uh, uh, it's certainly very important to us and the, the certainty in our marketplace and, and the relationships that uh, we've got with those uh, you know our, our close countries and, and trading partners of Mexico and Canada. So um, we want to see this brought up. We think. Uh, we think uh, that once it is, we'll we'll be able to you know help help push that across the finish line. But we'll need uh, producers to to uh, get vocal once it is pulled in there and uh, make sure that their members of Congress uh, are, are hearing from them and, and how important this policy is for them. We're going to talk more about trade coming up in our next segment with Undersecretary Ted McKinney. But certainly, I know you're watching closely that the China negotiations because uh, there are a lot of aspects to that. But ethanol DDGs, hopefully that market's going to get opened up in a big way for the U.S. Yeah, China's been a, a great market for our dry distillers grains in the past, and um, that's that's been one of the, the key markets for uh, for DDGs. Uh, and for ethanol, um, you know, it's it's really a potential market of, uh, of billions of gallons. Uh, they've got uh, a lot of air quality issues in China that, that we're well aware of, uh, and we know the benefits that uh, that ethanol can have when it comes to, uh, you know, it comes to air quality and improving that. So we think that's a a very very large potential market for ethanol because that, and that was just starting to open up it right? was it was yeah we were just making some headway there and thought we had some really positive steps when uh you know when a lot of this the the trade issues there kind of came off the rails all right let's uh switch to the rfs and uh, i think there's been some as a lawsuit's been dismissed i believe and one of the challenges that have been filed to get more information on this have you heard anything about that uh, yeah, gotcha. yeah, I haven't heard anything about that one, but uh, I will find out more yeah. soon, I'm sure. So we're kind of waiting now to see what EPA does and what the administration's yeah. going to do. What, what's their policy going to be? Or is there going to be a change in policy when it comes to granting these waivers? Yeah, we've got, uh, you know, a couple weeks left in this comment period. Uh, November 30th is, is the date uh, that we need, uh, you know, producers to, to have made comments. Um, they can go to ncga.com or, on, or download the Action app on their phone and, and go there and, and uh, take just a couple minutes. It doesn't take long at all to submit comments uh, about the RFS and say, you know, hey, make this calculation correct and make, uh, you know, the, the wave gallons, the actual wave gallons, um, make up for those in, in the correct manner and the correct calculation. So that that's something that we really need to get done and, and uh, hold up hold up the integrity of the RFS. 15 billion gallons is what we need. Well, since we've talked about this several times, you've talked to the president about this. Yes, issue. sir. Do you feel that the president now, uh, I mean, we've seen statements that come as maybe that he's realizing now that uh, it's not getting taken care of, it's not getting addressed to, you know, with all the concerns that are being raised, do you think that message has made it to the White House? I sure hope so. You know, we've uh, we've spent a lot of time on this issue, and and uh, um, but you know, the fact is, the RFS is it's vitally important to to our main markets of uh, you know ethanol and biodiesel, and uh, and really for us to continue to move forward with uh, you know any renewable fuels policy, this one has to stay intact to begin with, and and the RFS has to have uh, a teeth in it that. That are positive and, and continue to uh, to to provide that support level of market access that we need uh, and you know and tearing it down through uh, you know through waivers or through uh, small refinery exemptions and and uh, other issues that we've dealt with is it's unacceptable and uh, the grower can't can't afford that the uh, industries that that we need um, and the biofuels industry to to uh, to grind our corn and, and our soybeans and crush our beans and move those oils and and uh, move that that alcohol and ethanol into the fuel market if we don't have that uh, that policy in place and, and working well for us then you know we've got a big problem so um, you know that's that's why we're working so hard on it. We're talking with Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, let's look at some um, environmental issues as well. Uh, I know you, you look at these issues, uh, corn growers uh, working on a lot of different things. As we move forward, uh, there's more and more scrutiny on agriculture, uh, inputs, runoff, things like that. How, how are corn growers addressing those issues and those concerns that the, that the public has? 
Yeah, so uh, you know we we call it and talk about it as you know kind of your social license to continue to farm, and and uh, um, we know we have to engage consumers and then engage them in in discussion of uh, you know of, of at least showing them why we do what we do, and and we encourage producers to do that. But uh, uh, at, at the same time, we've got programs that we're working on to to try to help assist in that, and also um, develop you know uh, strategies for. Uh, continued work on sustainability aspects of uh, of corn production. And so uh, we work with you know the Soil Health Partnership has a, been a big initiative of ours over the the past uh, four or five years, or maybe a little longer than that now. Um, you know, on, on talking about cover crops and trying to understand the benefits that, that we can hopefully gain from that. But uh, uh, we all know that, uh, you know, changing a cropping system or, or learning about it in this this fashion, it takes time. You know, it takes time to to, uh, uh, to, to make changes or, or to even, you know, understand how, how these things will best benefit you. But uh, uh, that's one of the ways that we're trying to engage in the discussion. Um, there's just a lot of ways that we also need to talk to consumers and, and, uh, and help them again understand why you know on the farm that we we farm different ways and different pieces of ground and and uh, why people do things differently and to your credit the ncga has reached out to work with some groups and individuals that uh, have not always you've not always seen eye to eye on, uh, on some issues with and some have wondered why are you working with some of those groups but here again you're trying to build some alliances and, and move this discussion forward yeah we've uh, we've had some good partnerships uh, most recently uh, the environmental defense fund has been one that uh, uh, we've worked with pretty closely and and uh, you know I, I even personally have been shocked at how well this relationship has gone um, but you know I had uh, I had some folks at, at our farm earlier in the year they were wanting to do a, a thing on pollinators and and uh, you know we didn't I told him, I said, you know, I've never planted anything on my own farm directly for pollinators, but I said, come on out. It will show you, you know, how, how, uh, we've got a lot of habitat out here naturally and in, in our state and different areas that, uh, that I'd love you to see. And, uh, and so that's been a good partnership through some of the pollinator aspects. And, and again, a lot of people are planting different things. And, um, I see a lot of our friends, the biofuel industries, they've planted the, uh, the, the sites that are, uh, uh, pollinator refueling places and things like that. So there's a lot of partnerships that have been going on uh, with the environmental groups, but we're also working with them, you know, through the sustainability aspects and really trying to use their communication channels as well. Um, they're learning about what we do, and, and we're having really good constructive conversations with those people. So it's been it's been a good relationship. That's good to hear. I mean, because in, in some circles, they've kind of been considered. You say. Oh, some of these environmental groups, they're the enemy. You're finding ways to work together then. We are, and I think, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a collaboration of, of thought, but it's also a discussion that we need to have where, um, you know, if we don't sit down and talk to them, they, you know, then, then they, uh, could run with with ideas that uh, uh, really have no basis in actual ag production, and that's that's not good for anybody. And um, I think that we've got uh, great relationships, again, constructive, great communication channels within them, and and uh, we're working hard to to uh, you know help them help them help us, and and at the same time, we'll hopefully uh, move the needle on on the environmental side for for all of us too. Very good. Thanks for your time. Hope you get that harvest wrapped up here yeah. soon. Yeah, I do too. Uh, we're, we're getting close, and um, we'll get her done hopefully here shortly. All right, Kevin. Good to see you. Thanks a lot. You too, Mike. Appreciate it. Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association, joining us here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about some of these trade issues. I mean, when, right now, the, you know, those are the big concerns for many. Uh, what's going to happen uh, with uh, these trade talks with China? Where are we with USMCA? What other possible deals are out there? We're going to talk with Ted McKinney, Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs. We'll talk trade next here in Kansas City. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're talking with Dale Moore, Executive Vice President of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dale, there is a bipartisan ag labor reform bill that's been introduced. Why has Farm Bureau not endorsed it yet, or will you, or where are you at in that process? Mike, our board has met a couple of times and gone through this bill in, in you know, very, very careful detail to understand uh, everything that it represents. 
there are some things in that that are positive, namely uh, one thing that we've heard from all over the country as this process that would provide a, a pathway to legal status for the current workforce, because we know uh, the data suggests that there are a number of workers in a lot of different industry sectors who are in the United States that may not uh, have the documentation necessary and so forth. So we feel like that that part of the bill, you know, is a step in the right direction and, and relatively consistent with our grassroots policy. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector mixed activity in early trade. USDA's crop progress numbers yesterday showing delayed harvest numbers as expected. In corn, the December contract is up a penny and a half at 376 and three quarters. March corn up a penny and a quarter at 385 and a quarter an hour into the day. In the wheats, December, Chicago down a quarter of a cent at 509. Minneapolis spring wheat, December contract up a quarter of a cent at 515 and a half. Kansas City wheat, December down a half cent at 424 and a quarter. In soybeans, January down three, 912 and a quarter. March contract at 925 and three quarters down two and three quarters of a cent. For livestock of the Merck, we saw some light cattle activity yesterday in the cash trade, steady to higher compared to a week ago. A little bit defensive in live cattle futures early on this session, some 50 to 75 cents lower. February contract down 57 at 123.52. Feeder cattle November up 30 at 145.87. Lean hog futures, December contract, near unchanged, down two cents at 63.12. February down 82 cents at 73.22. So the activity in cattle futures, activity in lean hog futures continues to be somewhat volatile. Outside markets on this session, S&P 500 down three. The Dow down 32, NASDAQ down 21. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're back here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Very happy to have with us USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Ted McKinney. Good to see you again. Uh, everywhere we talk, uh, whoever we talk to, trade is like the number one topic, <laughs> and everyone wondering about China, USMCA, and Japan, and so many other things. So, we have lots lots of ground to cover. Let's start with China, because that's always the biggest topic. And you have some uh, news for us on China. Yes, yes. In fact, there's been a lot of discussions with China. Good. They're in the warming phase. You know, they stepped away from the negotiations, and then they came back. So the good news today is that China has announced that they are opening up their country to our poultry and poultry products. They shut down the entire country, not just regions, not just states. Many years ago, when we had the high path avian flu bout in a few states, so uh, my understanding is that's open for 
good duck like I have in Indiana, uh, uh, turkey, uh, broilers, egg and egg products. The one thing we're still working on is the regionalization protocol, meaning uh, if high path avian flu would hit some other states, those outside your listening area maybe, we wouldn't want that to affect your listening area. There's no flu there. And so we're working on that and have been, so we'll have to see what comes on that. But at least they've opened it up, and uh, and we're grateful. That's a positive step. Now everyone's wondering about that next step. Phase <laughs> one of a trade deal. How, yeah. how close are we? Well, the honest answer is who knows, but it looks like it's progressing well. We've had quotes from Xi Jinping and Trump saying we want to have a deal. It was going to be Santiago, Chile, but the APAC meeting was canceled. So every sense I get, everything I hear is that both countries want to get there, and we're working through the details. And we have been. We've had several very late-night digital video conferences. This Friday, Ambassador Lighthizer and Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin will visit with their very capable and respectable counterpart, uh, uh, Vice Premier Leo He. Don't know if something will come from that or not, but that's usually when things do. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we can hear soon about a time and a place where we might have a signing. We know they need and want our products. We also know they want tariffs to go away, and the President is saying, you know, in so many words, we'll look at things, but you know, you've many, many, many times before said one thing and done another. I'm going to keep some leverage to make sure there's fulfillment of the promise. So we'll see, but I am more optimistic than not now. We're back in that warming phase. In whatever is agreed to, whenever it's agreed to, enforcement will be a big part of that, right? It has to. It has to. And I know that's troubling because it takes a lot more time to work through those details. Nobody wants to be told or forced what to do. But gosh, several times we've had promises and commitments from our friends in China only to see them fizzle, even in the first hundred days of this president's uh, 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 tenure. So um, th there will be some level of enforcement, but that doesn't mean that we don't get to a deal because we know the tariffs are hurting uh, our friends in China very much. It's hurting us. We all want to get those down. But until we see agreements made and structural changes, some of them made, that allows our product to continue to flow in a manner that normal trade around the world occurs, well, we're going to keep talking. The, you just told us about poultry, and we've seen other increased sales to China, and some have said, is that a goodwill gesture, or are they just trying to uh, you know, put on a good show in the, in the negotiations, or is there just such a demand there that they they're just forced to make these purchases is it maybe a little bit of everything or, or what do you how do you see it i think it's the latter uh, who knows you never know china is a difficult country to figure out but it is not unusual when you're warming up to something that there would be some goodwill gestures so it could be that we also know that they need some of these products pork would be a great example they're desperately needing protein sources given the african swine fever uh, issues going on there. So it's probably a mix of all the above. Whatever it is, I'll take it if it can get to a signing uh, of an agreement. And the agreement, you know, right now there's been a lot of work on purchases, good, but the purchases uh, are not a long-term uh, uh, value to the U.S. If we don't get some of these doggone structural issues changed that have been such a pain these last many years, even decades. So it is both or elements of both talking with USDA Undersecretary Ted McKinney. Let's switch to USMCA yes. and the countdown is on. To, will it come up for a vote yet this year? We know there's some back and forth, some concerns have been raised uh, on different issues. Do you feel they're being addressed and can get done yet this year? What I read and what I hear is that the discussions between the USTR's office, Ambassador Lighthizer, and the Committee of Democratic House members signed by Speaker Pelosi is that they have been going good. Every time they meet, there's good progress. We hear the Speaker say, we're on, we are, we're on our way to yes, but at some point, I mean, results yeah. to me count. And either they're looking to get every T crossed and I dotted to send to the Hill, so that there's no more discussions and it can just go, or we're going to run out of time. Uh, so I've heard, again heard, 
that uh, it might go to the hill this week or next. Okay, that's good. But ultimately, it's got to get there. You have to have the legislation delivered to the hill, and so far it has not been called up. So I'm I'm still optimistic that we'll get there. We know that the, the votes are there to pass it. It's just got to get there. The act of getting it there and go through the steps that are required by Congress. And it is a, unequivocally, it's a better deal than NAFTA. I remember many Aggies, including me, saying, oh my gosh, do no harm. We sure we want to redo NAFTA? Across the board for agriculture, it's a better deal. And until we get it signed, the world is watching to see if we can do a trade deal. And we're not realizing the benefits of this negotiated deal. So I'm hopeful Mexico has passed the legislation. Once we do it, Canada will come right on our heels. We've got to get it done. And I think and I hope it's this year. We got a deal done with Japan, but they have to approve it yet. Read this morning that the Diet, which is their counterpart to our Congress, is meeting next week and will take it up. And all indications are that it's going to happen, Uh, you know. I don't think anything's automatic with a legislative body like that, but all indications are is there's no hiccups, no ill will, no issues. So we're hoping that that will be signed. The EU, that's that's a heavy mm. lift there. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's separate the UK from the EU. Many of us, uh, I mean, we want what's best for our friends in the UK and the Europe. Uh, and, and the UK is going through this very, very difficult, traumatic Brexit period. It's now set for a January 31 closure one way or the other. My view is if it's a hard Brexit, they'll want and need to do a lot more with the U.S. If it's a very soft Brexit, that means the ties to those choking, choking regulations of Brussels will probably stick. Uh, Either way, I do see opportunity with the U.K. They want to do a deal, but they've drunk the Kool-Aid of all this difficult almost ridiculous regulatory schematic and so we'll just have to see Europe gosh so many of us are descendants from Europe I'm very worried about our friends there for the two continents that have been the most united over the decades I'm very worried that the precautionary principle has a stranglehold that is not letting go Uh, using the old Heisman football forum they're giving us the Heisman time after time after time. We've been flat in our sales to Europe for six years, and yet we continue to buy. Uh, we're having project products rejected at the ports because of one nefarious thing or another. And so um, at a time when Japan chose to work with the U.S., at a time when Indonesia is working with the U.S., certainly Canada, Mexico has dealt with the U.S., China maybe, I'm not seeing very much from Europe. I know you're constantly working on other markets, potential right. deals. Right. Uh, are there any that are getting close? Well, the, the, yes, I think so, and I think a lot of them are. Now, none of them are going to be on day one. There's a problem. The next day is bright sunshine and great trade. They all migrate slowly. But I've been to about 24, 25 countries since being confirmed in October of 2017. Here are my conclusions. There is a lot of value in simply showing up. Farmers know that. When you're working with a negotiation, belly to belly, eye to eye is the best. Second point, it's even more valuable when you're there a second or third time. Then they know you mean business. Third point, I try very hard to work to solve their problems as much as I hope they're working to solve our problems. And that's not always a one-to-one ag deal. We're just so big that sometimes it's that. But we always work that. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. I think Vietnam holds enormous promise. Uh, they're, they're a communist country, but I think uh, they, they like and respect our products, so I see opportunities there. I see opportunities in Indonesia. Throw in good measure, Philippines, Malaysia, Thailand perhaps, some countries in Latin and South America. Uh, these are countries we know, but we've just never been there because we focus so much of our time on Canada, Mexico, Japan, China, China yeah. Korea, etc. And we're still working on those. We don't want to lose a thing in those good friends and those large trading partners. But golly, I'll tell you, there's business out there, and we just have to work it, and I think we'll get there. Well, let's hope uh, by this holiday season we'll have some really good trade news to celebrate, right? Oh, I hope so. I want some turkey at the uh, Thanksgiving, possibly, but certainly the Christmas table where we maybe can celebrate a trifecta. That's my hope. That'd be great.
Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Good to see you. USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, Ted McKinney. Stay with us. More to come from here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Mr. Chairman, as a corn root, I speak for millions of my kind who can't be here to defend themselves. Pests are stalking our stocks and undermining our roots. But we can elect to protect with a legacy of strength. Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment system increases nearby microbial activity to help us grow stronger. That's smart. Ladies and gentlemen, please, this is a corn roots movement. Ask your BASF seed advisor about Pancho Votivo 2.0 seed treatment. Always read and follow label directions. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. With Make-A-Wish, the impossible becomes possible. A girl battling cancer can become a race car driver battling the course. The boy showing all the nurses his fire trucks can take the helm of a real one. 
Wishes can give kids with critical illnesses the strength to keep fighting, get better, and grow up. Where there's a wish, there's a way. Wishes need you. Visit makeawish at wish.org. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And back here in Kansas City at the National Association Farm Broadcasting Convention, our thanks to USDA Undersecretaries Bill Northey and Ted McKinney for being on with us. And you heard the announcement from Ted McKinney and opening up uh, for some U.S. poultry sales into China. That's some good news, hopefully a sign of bigger things to come. And we talked with NCGA President Kevin Ross. Also here are a lot of folks from agribusiness, and we always uh, like to find out what's new and what's going on there. And we're happy to have with us Lynn Justison. He's technical service lead for row crops for UPL. Lynn, good to talk with you again. Uh, uh, Let's talk about the new UPL. Tell us about it. Yeah, Mike. Uh, So UPL is, uh, we came together here in April. Um, It is a combination of UPI and Arista Life Science in the past. So what's that mean? It's all good news, but what's that mean? What it means is this, is we're now the number five global chemical crop protection company in the world. Um, that gives us the opportunity to be a leader in, in, in both food systems and, and crop protection. Um, and as you look at that and you look at what, what's that mean to the guys in North America, well, I want to start out globally and talk about that a little bit. Um, we have 200 AIs that we currently use globally, different active ingredients. With that, there's roughly 13,000 different separate registrations across the globe. You break that down to North America, there's 87 or so active AIs that we use within this area. So as you look at that and you start thinking about that, all of a sudden our access point has went from from both companies being pretty narrow to now it's a very, very wide swath. Um, so I, I think that, that lends us, uh, puts us in a position where we can offer solutions that are very unique and very different than any other company in the business right now. You know, when companies come together, uh, when there's a merger, uh, I think a lot of times growers are concerned, will they will they get the same service? Will they get the same, you know, will they get uh, the advantages that, that we often hear about? What what can you tell growers that the, what the new UPL can offer them? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think it... Uh, I think the biggest thing and the biggest aha and the biggest takeaway out of me out of all this was is it makes us basic in manufacturing and all of these things. So as you come together, sometimes things are outsourced, sometimes they're 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 put off to other places or you use toll or you use other people to do stuff. That's not UPL's philosophy at all. They want to own it all in house from the time we start making it until it shows up at our grower's desk. So with that, that that helps a lot. I think also on top of that is is as you said, mergers and, and with that AIs in particular, we're working on integrating our portfolio. So what that allows us to do is what works in um, uh, in central Iowa is not necessarily what would work in southern Indiana. But because of the broadness of that, and you start looking at that portfolio, it allows us the opportunity to pick and choose things that work best for each one of the growers within that. 
that I think speaks a bit to how nimble and how 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 flexible we can be within with what we do. As we as we look at that and we think about our flexibility with that, the ability to move is 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 very good. Uh, I, myself, I'm a little fearful that as you get bigger and you get bigger, things get more cumbersome and you become the big gorilla that can't move. What I can what I can share with you is is we are a very flat company. Um, large enough to serve you with our with our, our world-class manufacturing, yet nimble enough to be able to adapt and change and move with the market. Um, I think the other thing, and from my standpoint, being in the in the, the tech service part as part of the tech development, being in that tech development size, we're going to go from a staff in, uh, in North America that was about 15 people to north of 30. So if that and nothing else um, will will improve. One, we'll understand our systems better. Two, we'll be able to take molecules and maybe use them in unique, creative ways, and build um, um, build out portfolios that can can be that, that will be second to none. You throw into that that we're either number one or two, depending on who you talk to, in uh, the biosolutions and innovative nutrition worldwide. You take and you combine that in the row crop U.S. That's that's probably our most one of our most underdeveloped markets. Um, if you take and we take some notes from what we see in the specialty crops and what we see from worldwide, um, biosolutions is a huge huge player all the way across uh, all the way across the world. Um, in the row crop in particular, we need to get better at it. Um, there's some bad nomenclatures about that. That it's you know it's snake oil, it's foo foo juice. There's there's lots of there's lots of lots of things and, and and negative connotations around that. What I can assure you is is UPL is taking that and looking at it as a scientific background. If it doesn't meet the same standard as our traditional chemistry does, we don't move it forward. We can't use it. It has to be an improvement. It has to be something that is solid scientifically because we have to consistently add value to our customers. Because if our if our customers aren't profitable and we can't do things to help them be more profitable profitable we're all out of business you have what you call the upl open ag vision what's that uh so so open ag is really this it's 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 trying to think a little bit differently it's um you know no boundaries no borders we're trying to think broader we're trying to think outside of the box um if there are things that 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 don't make sense within the ag system and are broken why continue to do them? Um, it, it, again, and I think it, it all builds in and around um, our flexibility within the market. If we see something that we don't like, if we see something that we need to change, we will in fact go in, find it, change it, and move with it. Um, and and that's taking all the way from the from the ground up, from the grower up, and trying to listen to our customers all up and down the change to make a better system because. Long, long term, we need to be sustainable. We need to be able to feed the world, not feed our country, but feed the world with what we do. You know, when you look at uh, a full spectrum crop system uh, and the products you have there and how, how you can orchestrate those and, and give us an example of how that would work for a producer. Yeah, I, I think I'd lean that and I'd go right at the Unlock 5. Unlock 5 we announced just a little over, uh, just about a year ago at NAFB, and then we did a full launch at the Commodity Classic last year. And what that is looking at is looking at the different strategies in the five different crop stages in a crop's life and looking at those not only what's happening there but what's going to happen and then start applying practices to that. The Unlock 5 in our layering system is proving out that even in a, in a corn in a, in a corn system, for instance, we can add somewhere between 18 and 20 bushels just by layering things in in the right order. Very good. Lynn, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Mike. Very good. Lynn Justison, Technical Service Lead Row Crops for UPL. UPL, a global leader in ag and food systems. All right. We wrap it up for today from here in Kansas City, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Back here again tomorrow. Hope you'll join us on AOA. Have a great day, everyone. The sounds of success vary from person to person. Over to second, in time, on the first, double play! Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.